wow, is all I'm going to say about this episode. I was lucky enough to have a friend come in, James Walker, or Dr. James Walker, and he talked all about his fun activities that he's done. So everything from running seven marathons in seven days through a desert, uh, swimming the English Channel, the New York Marathon, and a lot of other fun activities in between. And he dives right into the weeds, so goes right into the training mindsets, and just a lot of life lessons that he learned from doing um, big races like that. Um, I'll stop talking just so you can get straight into this episode. I uh, hope you enjoy. As always, make sure you hit follow, subscribe, give us a five-star review on iTunes. It's going to help us reach a few more people. And make sure you share it with a friend or family member because I think everybody is going to get something out of this episode. So thanks again for listening. And here it is, my interview with James Walker. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Very excited for this one. We've got our very own, very own Ross Edgley in the house. <laughs> nah, just better looking. Um, I wish. So this is actually round two for us. Um, we tried to record another one a few days ago, and the rain ruined it. So James was kind enough to come back and sit down again. But um, I think it's more benefit for you guys listening, because we're going to dive a little bit deeper into some of James's... Um, activities and the things he's done um, and I think there's a lot of good lessons there um, I was listening back to the old episode it was very enjoyable just unfortunate about the sound so I can't really share it with everybody listening but like I said I think you're all going to get a lot out of this one and let's start with you James how about you introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you do sure my, I'm James James Walker uh, and I work as a general practitioner um, which I have done for the last five years, having spent the six, five, six years prior to that uh, working as a doctor in, in hospitals, uh, predominantly emergency and intensive care. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I guess we can start with how did you end up in Aladala? Well, I came to Australia um, when was it, 2011, just, just for a year. Yeah. to catch up with my sister who married an Aussie and meet my niece and nephew and that was on the northern beaches and then um, went into emergency training in the hospitals mm-hmm. and realised that I'd, I'd had enough of that and being an English trained doctor you have to go to a rural area mm-hmm. if you want to switch to train as a GP yep. so I thought I'd, I'd come somewhere um, rural just for a short period of time till I'd serve my stint before going back to Sydney yep after a few months in Aladala on the south coast, the penny dropped, and, uh, and here I am. Nice. Yeah. Um, so is it by choice, or do they just say, or oh, you have to go here? Oh, you have to go. So you go, um, you have to go rural, then you get to select areas that you want to be in. Yeah, nice. Um, and I thought everyone was going north at the time. Yeah, So okay. busy up north, and yeah. so I thought I'd come and explore down south. Yeah, cool. And... Um, yeah, as soon as I met the team at Milton and spoke to the, the then boss, Brett Thompson. Yep. A really engaging, charismatic individual. He's it a no-brainer. Yeah, to cool. To come down here. Yeah. Yeah, and then once you're here, obviously, what an incredible place it is to be. <laughs> so is your sister still in the Northern Beaches? Well, well, actually, we've been we've been down here for 
couple of months and they came to visit for a weekend yeah and i got a call from her on the monday saying <laughs> we've quit our jobs we're moving down oh no way just like that <laughs> yeah right yeah i yeah. feel like it was, half, it was born. yeah yeah half of sydney i think's done that at the moment yeah um but um oh that's good oh, oh yeah it was awesome yeah. like that's that's pretty pretty good decision making yeah strong decision making yeah yeah um so is it just you and your sister or you have got any other siblings uh my young sister beth's back home yep um and yeah she's married with three kids yep and my yeah mum and dad are still back home yeah cool um, that's us have they visited Aladulla yet <laughs> yeah they they have and they're they're enchanted yeah it's really you, you feel kind of constantly torn a little bit guilty when you move away from mm. your parents near the other side of the world especially after you've had kids yeah and you realize what you've done to them. yeah <laughs> um but when they come out here and you know you can see the lifestyle you know they 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 get it. Yeah, they haven't and sold they, up and moved over yet. <laughs> oh, you know, they're seventy and eighty now. Yeah, like they're pretty entrenched in their mm. their English their Englishness. Um, yeah, my my dad's take a while to convert them to to France around in speedos on, on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're going to stay for it. But yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, let's go into your um, I guess exercise fitness all that sort of stuff history yeah um, sure. so let's take it back to the very start what was sort of the first i guess what first introduced you to health and fitness or being fit um i something was very very taken by but i grew up um grew up on a rugby pitch yeah literally right behind the rugby pitches um and so i'd go and watch the the senior teams play every saturday and naturally start to mm. uh involve myself in the club yep. and then um, and my, my best mate we're in the, at the school together live right next door so we, we'd go and train in the gym or we had a weights bench in his garage and we'd just go and thrash out weights yeah. in his garage and then play and we, we grew up playing rugby together and it was a small rural area much like this here in Milton yep. um, and it just became a bit, we're a bit, a big family. Yeah, nice. Just a big part of the culture. So yeah. we we grew up in that in that big rugby family. Yeah. Um, and so that was it until I was about twenty, twenty three, twenty four. Just just rugby. Yep. Um, when did you start first? Like when did you start playing? I guess I was seven. Oh, like actually, maybe six, six or seven. So they had teams for the seven year yeah, olds. Yeah, just many, many, many rugby. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah cool. We playing on a side and yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic because yeah, all the way we were all at school together and at the rugby club together, mm. and so you had this big sort of support network. So, yeah, um, yeah I, there wasn't. I didn't get. I didn't have too much trouble. I remember um, some guy came up to me in the pub one day and poured a, threw a pint all over me yeah. and tried to start a fight with me. And I, did, I remember saying, "Look, it's Friday night. I just come for a couple of quiet beers with my friends. I'm not really. I don't really like fighting." Mm. Those guys do though, and I just turned <laughs> turned to the point to the corner of the pub where all the rugby lads were, and they're like ready to go. This guy ran out of the pub. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good brotherhood. Yeah, um, when you say rugby in UK, that's exactly what I picture. Like those sort of moments in the pub. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what was the? Tr- I guess when did it sort of go as something that you were just doing for fun, and then? 
you started actually training for, like you said, doing weights with your friend mm. in these home gym and all that sort of stuff. So when, like, what was the transition, or is it just like a natural thing to start doing some weights to improve on the footy field? Yeah, I think so. I think so. You just um, we both just wanted to be better. Yeah, I don't really know where that came from, but. Um, but certainly having someone that you're spending loads of time with, a couple of mates, and you're kind of all pushing each other. Yeah. And, yeah, I think, I don't know, a big, um, a big part of the culture is always, you know, bigger, fitter, faster, stronger. Yeah. And at that stage, no one really knew anything about sports science. No one was teaching us anything <laughs> about the intricacies of, you know, uh, squat day, leg day, yeah. chest day. We were just going for it and trying to just push out as much as we could. Yeah as heavy as we could yeah so and and probably and training mirror muscles and yeah all the mistakes that we didn't know we were making but um so it took, it took a long time to sort of fall into some slightly more sensible training habits yeah so for sure so i guess like you know playing as a 12 year old compared to a 20 year old mm. would have been very different so were you doing anything different i guess as in recovery or exercises i not obviously you're training in on the pitch and all that would mm. sort of look the same like skills and sprints and all that sort of thing yeah and run and plays but did you start bringing in a bit more recovery or um you know routine as in we train on these days and these days so we're gonna you know go for a run on other days weights on yeah. other days or is it just whatever you could fit in yeah I th- it was sort of became a bit more mindful about uh, rest mm. um certainly towards the end of what when i was playing then ice bathing and things yep. like that yeah um, and think a bit more about food mm. uh, all those kind of things yep um, but yeah I mean I make it sound like I was playing at a really high level I, no. I, I wasn't but no. just generally the way we were approaching things was a little bit more balanced yeah a bit more sensible than just yeah yeah just uh, throwing everything into it so let's go on to the next one so you've did you continue playing when you moved to Australia yeah, so, uh, well, I moved to Australia, for, I had a year here when I was 23, 24, and I, yep. was, I was playing then, Yep. before I went back to, to med school, uh, but then, yeah, after I went to med school, it sort of frittered away, I was playing for the medics occasionally, but yep. um, yeah, I lost I lost a bit of the intensity about the, the rugby, but I haven't played, I didn't play since I came out here. Mm. Um, so what did you transition into next then I guess would be the like you've obviously come over here you're playing a little bit of rugby you stopped doing that mm-hmm. what was next after that um, well, yeah I got into endurance sports so I started running yep um, I, had, I had an opportunity to do the New York Marathon mm. in 2003 yep and uh, a friend organised a little group of us from uni from um, first uni to go over and, and do the New York Marathon, which was a huge experience, and I got completely hooked. Yeah. Um, and, and then after that, it was just a series of marathons. Yeah, nice. Uh, of different shapes and sizes. So leading up to that first one, mm. what was the training like for that? So is that a marathon's 21K? Uh, so 42. 42. 26.1 uh, yeah. miles. Okay. Um, and there's quite a lot of elevation in on the New York Marathon. Yeah, right. Believe it or not. No, I, I thought it was just flat. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fair bit, especially at the end in Central Park, which is a real yeah, right. kick in the nuts. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I mean, so different from training for for rugby. Mm. You know that the explosive sprints, yep. sprints, uh, and all the plyometric stuff. Yep. And then suddenly, just long and slow. Yep. It was a real shock. I, I, I the first one I did was three miles, mm-hmm. and I remember it being tear-inducing. <laughs> it's really hard, and just not being able to figure out how I was going to get around twenty-six miles. Yep. But I think yeah, it's a big, a big gear shift in in attitude because you know you start following these these schedules and you have to go out running mm-hmm. on a Friday night. Yeah, and you're starting to make sacrifices to get uh, to accomplish uh, your objective. Yeah, and I I, do, I distinctly remember going for a run on a Friday night. thinking, what am I what am I doing? I'm 24. Yeah, I should be out on the town having fun. There's something wrong here. But we went to New York. We ran the marathon. I had, it was the most incredible thing yeah. I, I had uh, done at the time, um, uh, and that was it. I was addicted. So, how far out from the race did you start training? I can't honestly remember. Yeah, I think I think maybe six months or so. Okay. We, yeah, sta- right. we started getting into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't remember. Yeah. But but. After that, I continued the running, so I had this this base platform mm. for running, yep. which I feel like is it served me really well. I feel like I can sort of tap into it even now, twenty nearly twenty years down the track. So it was a bunch of friends that you went over and done yeah. the race with. Yeah, just tell us a bit about that race because that would have been fairly epic. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think whenever you do a, a, an endurance event especially if it's in a new new discipline mm. there's that sense of um anxiety before you start about whether actually whether you'll actually be able to complete it yeah true so yeah all that anxiety about the race itself and then the experience of being in new york for mm. the first time uh and then just the, the sheer energy and the spectacle as well you're running around you know there's, there's bands playing uh, people five five deep lining the course and, and cheering for yeah. you someone had told me to write my name across my chest so yeah. you've got all these people just cheering your name you feel like a super <laughs> a superstar yeah and that yeah just really exhilarating wow yeah um, it was really good fun um so yeah pretty mind-blowing for the for a first experience of a, yeah for of sure a so coming out of that what was i guess what was on your mind so did you have a bit of a rest or you're just like yeah let's go i want to keep training What's next? I think, I mean, always on my bucket list had been things like, you know, wanting to climb Everest and wanting to sw- swim the channels, wanting all this, all this stuff. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a race called the Marathon de Sable, which was always on my hit list as well. Yeah. And I thought, right, I can do it. I've got the bit between my teeth now. Yeah. I'll, I'll just keep this momentum up. And I just had this this desire to get get that stuff done so what was that one the what you just mentioned what race is that the marathon des Sables. yeah the, yeah the marathon des Sables, mds as it's referred to yeah uh is it's a foot race across the sahara desert and it's it's seven marathons in seven days uh, and you self-supported so you carry all your own kit for seven days yeah so you you set off with the supplies for day seven yeah on day one yeah yeah, cool. So you start with about 12 kilos, but yeah. it gets lighter every day. Cause of course. <laughs> <laughs> Easier towards the end. 
yeah, so you got all your food. You get you got ten liters of water a day mm. that you're allocated, so you don't have to okay. carry that. You just have to go to checkpoints and yep. they give you your water, mm-hmm. and then they set up these Berber tents for you in the evening. So you're assigned a tent. Wow. And there's maybe ten of you in the group. Yep. Uh, so what and it's re- pretty rude. Berber, Berber tents is two stakes in the ground with a sheet over the top, and and that's you. How far after the New York Marathon was that? Oh, that was a lo- that was a long time later in the end. Um, I do that 2015 okay. so yeah, relatively yep relatively recently yep um, okay well what was the training for like that obviously just a lot more running <laughs> a fair bit of running but by the time you're coming to I mean you can you can train for a marathon mm. for sure but this is this is uh, it was 252k I think yep and then you've got the heat as yeah. well so training through an Aussie summer mm is pretty pretty helpful and lots of soft sand work but yeah you I mean you can train for the marathon and after that a lot of the time it's you know anyone's guess yeah so it's more of a mindset thing mm. and I think by that stage I've done enough endurance endurance work to know that I could get in the mindset and and yeah get yeah. it get it done so mindset was one thing I wanted to go into but after you talked about swimming the English Channel yeah. So you've just done a seven days, seven um, marathons. Um, what was it like, again, after that? Did you have some time off running just to clear your head a bit? Or? I had some time off everything. Yeah. <laughs> My feet. After that one, I was... Um, there's. I, I, my feet were knackered for a little while. Yeah, yeah, they're blown up. I couldn't, I couldn't get my shoes on properly for, for a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a bit sore, but uh, yeah. Other than that, you know, if you, if you if you do a lot, if you train a lot and you, you love it, mm. there's only so long that you can go for before yep. you need it again. Your body's asking for it. Your your head's asking for it. So you just got to you just keep moving. Yeah. Or transfer disciplines. So yeah. I, I think I went back to England for a little. For, I was there back in England for ten days or so. And just hopped in the pool and just moved moved the body. Yeah. Cool. Um. Yeah, but I was. It was sore. Oh, th- there's a something called the long day, creatively called the long day. Yeah. So you do. I can't remember the exact distances, but you do like thirty, thirty five or and there thereabouts and then you do on the fourth day 90 something um and I, I remember getting to about 50k on the fourth day and I was at a checkpoint I just thought oh, I'm in trouble I'm in trouble here <laughs> I am my feet were so sore and I, I was hobbling around the checkpoint mm. and then um and then the penny dropped. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. This is the this is the challenge. Yeah, this is the growth. This is where you grow. Yeah, and this is why you're doing it. So this is where you, so find you need to find a way now to get through the next forty k, and this forty k is why you signed up. And um, yeah, it's just like a little gear shift, and then, and this is the thing that I love about endurance sport. You just go to the next level, mm. and I don't know. I don't know what it what it was, but um, yeah, I just went into this different zone and just ate that last forty k, and uh, it's so it's weird. I mean, I mean, even now if I was if I was hobbling around feet like that, I, I'd acknowledge the pain and I wouldn't be frothing yeah. on it. But when you're in it, 
and I had these my, I could feel the blisters on my feet just popping I was like oh that's amazing <laughs> and uh, yeah just kept charging but all your senses are so on everything feels heightened mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah it's just, just an amazing experience there. <laughs> sorry I, kind of, I think I went off no no that's good bit. and that's exactly sort of what I wanted to sort of dive into just that mindset of people sort of get that idea in their head that they can't do something mm. but you can literally do anything you want your body yeah. is very capable of going a lot further than what you can actually push yeah and um it's sort of and that's sort of want to want to talk about like you tr- like you're training for it mm. but you can't actually train for those moments mm. so what do you think it is in those in that moment where <laughs> you're walking and you got blisses popping fever in pain mm. Like, what is it that sort of okay? Well, next step, next step, next step. Like, yeah. what keeps you? What do you think? Um, so I, I guess one of the questions that that comes up in that situation is, well, okay, how do you know when you're actually harming yourself mm. and when you're actually going to cause yourself damage? Yeah. Um, and but I feel like when when you have tra- trained yourself a lot, that you know in yourself mm. where you're up to from that point of view. Yeah. Um, or or you just make your peace with it and you just you know grit your teeth and get it done and if you kill over then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, I don't know. I think that you you develop uh, some some personal truths and and I pain pain is where you grow. Mm. It really it really is. Yep. There's this this concept I've been reading a bit about recently and it really resonates. Um, called eudaimonia this Greek philosophy concept about uh, fulfillment mm. and the require to over the requirement to overcome something hard really hard or painful to feel well eudaimonic I guess yeah and have that real sense of peace and happiness and contentment and that's a necessary part that experience is a necessary part of achieving that outcome mm. And every time, and the reason I keep going back, every time I've done a challenge like that, you know you have to go into the, the depths of of that personal hell to get spat out the other end. Yeah. And it feels amazing. Yeah. I was buzzing for for weeks, and it's a big it was a big gear shift, big perspective shift on how you want to construct your life, mm. um, and what yeah, like you say, what, what, what you what, can actually what achieve, you can do, what yeah. you can get done. Yeah. All right. Um, so next, what would what would come up next after that? After that, two thousand and fifteen. Actually, that yeah, not two thousand and fifteen. Um, the following February, we I climbed, I climbed Aconcagua in South South America. Yeah. Ar- sorry, excuse me, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the it's one of the seven summits. You know the seven summits. So it's the highest peak in South America. Yeah. And I, actually, my. My great mate Jake, who I did, I did the MDS with. Yeah, we climbed that together. Wow. as well. Yeah, um, and he he's like he's a phenomenal athlete. He, I think he came in the top five runners in the MDS. Mm. Um, and he's you know he's not like exclusively an athlete. He's just a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> of an individual. So he he just he just ate that up, uh, and then yeah we were, we were good mates and we were kind of knocking about afterwards and thought 
thinking about what we do next. So we're, yeah, so Aconcagua is it. Mm. Which is, um, yeah. Nice. And it's, it's a slightly how, different one. But. How far was that? So that's 6,960 6, mm. metres. Yep. Uh, just outside Mendoza. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was about three weeks, three, four weeks. Yeah, nice. So you, you trek in, then you climb a couple of smaller peaks mm-hmm. adjacent to the to Aconcagua, and then you have to be pretty fastidious with your acclimatisation. Yeah, of course. Um, I've got a bit of altitude sickness up there, and it, yeah, it was not far. Yeah, what was <laughs> so, that like? Oh, it just comes out. It comes out of the blue. You kind of you just you, you go up, and then you're sort of setting up your tent, and then suddenly. You just you, you just nosedive, don't feel good, and just heaving and cracking headaches. And eventually, you level out, but yeah, okay. I remember, I remember thinking that it wasn't yeah. something I wanted to be doing on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. So that's a slightly different sort of pain, mm. that that kind of sickness pain, mm. which less enjoyable. Yeah, than just that, you know, that everything's burning. I've got to keep pushing. Yeah, kind of pain. I think that obviously the difference is one you can control and one you can't. Yeah, and one you're putting yourself in the position, mm. and obviously you're not putting it yourself in the other yeah. one. Yeah, and I think I think there's just that thing that you know you can just push through one, but yeah. the other one, yeah, yeah, you don't know where the end is. Yeah, that's true. Um, so how, you, so you were hiking there for three to four weeks. Yeah, yeah, it was. A, yeah, about three, about three or four weeks, I think. Yeah, I, I forget. And then, yeah, after we after we summited, yeah, just back out in a couple of days. Yeah, nice. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, so, what was after that? <laughs> um, after that, I met my wife, mm-hmm. and um, and then I actually I'd just finished emergency a couple of months before doing that. Yeah, my, my hospital since so it's a, a switch switch to. Um, general practice and slightly different tempo to life yeah. yeah so I was kind of concentrating on career trying to qualify as a GP and yep consolidating my relationship with my my then fiance yep and uh, yeah just kind of building a, lo- a life together yeah which I think I, I actually one of the conclusions after lots of this sort of stuff is you know you, you spend four weeks in the mountains and you you can't help but sort of sit down and philosophize a little bit yeah and figure out what you want out of your life and how you're going to set it up and what's important what's important mm. and so yeah it's a good good bit of time to yep to put some effort into building family yeah nice um so where when was the english channel crossing 2013 oh okay so that was before the seven Seven days of seven <laughs> marathons. Yeah, that's okay. a couple of years before. So, um, what was the difference between training? Obviously, swimming for a channel and doing a you know seven marathons in seven days is obviously one mm. walking or running, jogging, one swimming. But mm. was sort of the time put in the same? Like, would you put in the same amount of time swimming than the same amount of time no. running? No, the channel is is different altogether yeah okay. <laughs> it was it, I, I found it really hard yep um the running the, the the mds you know we're on our feet every day yep since you know since we can walk it's something that you've just trained passively forever yep. you can keep moving mm. but in the channel you can't stop swimming no um 
you, you and if you do, the tide will push you back. So you've got to repeat. Um, so it, yeah, you got to the volume of training for the channel was was huge. Yeah. Um, did you swim that on your own, or did you have a group of people swimming it at the same time? So one of the rules is that you can only swim it on your own. Oh wow! So you, yeah, it's you and the support vessel. Yep. That's it, and your you crew on the on the boat. Mm-hmm. Invaluable though was the fact that there were a few people back in Sydney training for it and attempt at the same time. Yep. So there must have been about ten of us who'd be at the, at the pool every day yeah, doing okay. the same sets. Yeah. Swimming at the beach together on Saturdays. Yeah. So there was, there was a good amount of support. Yeah. And yeah, kind of swapping notes and. How long was the? I guess from when you decided you're going to do the channel mm. to when you actually done it. What time frame was that? I registered in November for a swim the following September. Yep. And prior to that, I'd done a few 10K swims. Yep. And then I started up in the ante, joined the swim squad, mm-hmm. the Vlad Swim Group in Sydney, who train marathon swimmers. Yep. And then I went to a cold camp in Melbourne in March. Mm-hmm. March, April, May. May. March or May. Uh, and I, it, I came undone. Uh, it was 15 degrees and you have to do a qualifying swim for the channel which is 8 degrees uh, 8 hours sorry in 15 degrees or less yeah right and I got 3 hours in and I, w- I was in bits I-, I had to get dragged out chucking the sauna that they've got there yeah I warmed up again this is this is shocking I've got so much work to do I don't and I started to question myself I didn't know if I was if I had the minerals mm. if I finally just leave it for another year yeah and um and the coach chucked me back in the water <laughs> as well. After, uh, it, straight after the sauna? Uh, yeah, after that. Oh, like, yeah. You've got, you got to get back in now. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, this is, <laughs> this is shocking. It's brutal, absolutely brutal. And then, uh, so I didn't finish the eight hours. Everyone else in the group finished it. I was feeling pretty sorry for myself yep. and a bit pathetic. And when I got back to Sydney, I had a chat with the coach, Charm, a real honest chat, and she said... Where, where are you up to do you think do you think you can do this mm. and I, I I really knew that I, I could do it mm. um, and she said okay good because I think you can do it as well yeah and it was that was amazing actually as soon as she said that and it gave me kind of permission to believe yeah I, I felt it really buoyed my confidence and I was away <laughs> but but I had to I really had to up the ante I was getting up to sort of 40ks a week, forty, you know, forty to sixty k's a week. Yep. Which was a which was a gear shift then, but also this cold acclimatization. Mm. So I had to put, I put ten kilos on before the swim. Yep. And I was doing this tea bagging. They call it tea bagging. Just sitting there in cold water. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I remember I was sitting at at the ocean pool in the Curly North Curly one day, just sitting there, and this dog walker came past and said, uh, "Excuse me." <laughs> Are you English? I said, yeah, yeah, that's right. He said, yeah, I thought you must have been. <laughs> I just carried on walking. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit of a weird thing to do. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was either you're, you're swimming your 5, 10K every morning and then every night you're just sat for an hour mm-hmm. in cold water and in between times you're eating as much as you can. Yeah, right. So I, I had to live it and breathe it. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah, so November and then March and then going real hard until September. Yep. So I guess almost you know, like eight nine months. Um, so how how many hours a day were you swimming? The ten k sets would be about three hours, 
So yeah. you do your set with the squad, which is five six k, and then you top up, just top up. Yep. On your own, and then the longer swims. Yeah, I, I do just a couple of ten hour swims. Mm. So just swim for time. Yep. Before you go, before you go to England and do it. So you just it's just about Balmoral, just just go ten hours off you go. How did your body adapt to that? Like, were any injuries? Like, obviously you were eating a lot more. So was it mm. controlled food or just whatever you seen you eat type thing? I was just smashing everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah just um. All my colleagues at work would bring me cake and stuff like yeah. that. I was, I was having a whale of a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit, yeah. All the pie shops. So no injuries, every, anything like that. Uh, I, I had a physio friend actually he kept me in pretty good nick. Yeah, uh, okay. A girl called Kate, and yeah, my shoulders would, would tighten a lot, and she'd she'd release stuff for me. Yeah. In between times. Yep. Um, but nothing really. But fortunately, not, yeah, that's, nothing. That's nothing good. too bad. Yeah. That's good. That's real good. Um, yeah, a couple of other guys I swam with at the time were going in with with a couple of little niggles, mm. and you know having to find ways to adapt and, and get through it. Yeah, which they did, which is incredible. Yeah, because yeah, you don't want to be carrying anything when you. No, and I don't think people realise how like just one little niggle, and you're adding that much volume to that niggle, it can mm. turn into a serious injury pretty quick. Yeah, so that's pretty good. So let's talk about the day. Mm. Um, let uh, actually the day before the swim. Mm. What was that like? Terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I was just, I was so nervous. The week, a couple of weeks before the swim, someone had died in, in the channel. Mm. Someone they got to the back end and just, just gone. Oh shit! Um, so I was playing on my mind a little bit. Yeah, and then all that sort of you know pre New York Marathon anxiety stuff amplified. Mm. Um, especially you, you know you've invested so much in it mm. uh, you just want to yeah you really want to get it done yeah um, so I was really nervous I, I, I all my family came down yep and a couple of mates and my girlfriend at the time was was with us and we went out for dinner I couldn't eat mm. I couldn't eat my dinner so I, I went home and they all finished off dinner I just consumed with with this sort of Oh yeah, anxiety. So, were you getting any type of food, electrolytes? What like, was, just, was there a game get, plan or getting just, fluid in? Yeah, um, I'd been carbo loading the few few days before. Yep, um, and I had heaps in reserve at, yep. the, at the time, but I physically couldn't get it in. Yeah, so I was just trying to stay really hydrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kick off was at four o'clock, so I only had a few hours to rest by that stage so I was just kind of I didn't get any sleep I was no. just sort of tossing and turning couldn't imagine you would <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was it's pretty intense alright so 4am in the morning you yeah. jump in the water what's going through your mind uh, I was loving it actually yeah I was like this is it I'm, yeah. I'm doing it how, I'm, how lucky am I this is amazing this mm. is great so I went on to the yeah, so you, you get dropped off you leave Dover Harbour, yep. go, go to a little beach called Shakespeare Beach, um, which is the optimal starting point. You normally get um, thrust into the right tide, so the tide will just kind of push you along okay. in the right direction. And yep. Tide's obviously a big part of the, yeah, the swim to navigate. Yeah. Um, so yes, four o'clock, and I, uh, the, the klaxon on the ship goes, mm-hmm. and then you, you hop in and, and away you go. <laughs> I can just remember, I, I had this... Um, this light on my goggles, so this green light, and so all the memories are just shrouded in green light. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just 
make sure you can't see the cliffs by by dawn was the only thing I could think of. So yeah, get okay. away from the cliffs, get away from the cliffs. And when dawn comes, if you can't see them, you're doing you're, you you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Yeah, and you're, you're gonna you're gonna get it. Yeah, and you got there. Got got to dawn. Dawn dawn was up, and it was my morning feed. The coach would blow a whistle every time he needs to come over to the boat for a feed. Yeah, and um, I turned around. I was a bit. A bit edgy. Yeah. We're gonna see him. I couldn't see them. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. One, I'm one. Um, yeah. Um, so how long did, was the whole swim? 15, 15 hours mm-hmm. and three minutes. Fifteen hours and three minutes. Wow. But I. Um, and how long is it? So it's twenty-one miles as the crow flies. Yeah. But because of the tides, you have the flood tide. An ebb tide, and then you go for a flood tide again, yeah. which is trying to push you onto this little, little piece of land, Cap Negri, it's called. Okay. So it sort of like juts out, so they try and get you, so you just drop you off onto the beach there, so it's, you're swimming them in the smallest distance. Mm. Because of the tides, it means it, it, it has implications for the length yeah. that you swim. So I, I did 42 yep. on the K on that day, mm-hmm. but some people go up to 60. And yeah. Yep. Um, so, how I it, let's take this back to the mindset sort of mm. part. Like, what keeps you like? You've gone from this sport where it's all community. Mm. You're pretty much not ever by yourself while you're playing, mm. exercising, training. You got this community around you. Then you go into this sport where it's pretty much just you. Mm. Like, obviously, the New York Marathon's very different, but then you go into these other ones where you're running through deserts, you're swimming through these all these waters. Mm. What sort of keeps you going through that top? Like, I guess what's going through your mind in those times where you're just moving? Like, not too many people have that much time by themselves in mm. their own mind. Where you're doing these things, where you're spending so much time by yourself in in your own head. Mm. So, I guess what sort of what techniques what things do you do sort of just bring yourself back into the moment and just mm. keep going through what you need to do the channel was a bit different because my sister had been quite unwell mm. a couple of years before okay. uh, and um, again being on the other side of the world I felt really helpless mm. uh, to, I, couldn't, I couldn't really do anything meaningful mm. so, so I I um, one of my motivators to swim the channel was to raise money for her. Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's like a it's a, you kind of take your focus off off yourself. Mm. Then it's not so much of a burden. Yep. Um, and I think that's that's like a good life lesson as well, and something that that has a, a technique that helps you get through these these um these events. Yep. If you stop focusing on yourself and all your problems and think about somebody else's problems and try and help, mm. then yours, your problems kind of disintegrate yeah, right. a little bit. Yeah. Um, so so Beth was a big motivator, particularly in training. Yeah. Um, but then it, even just just on the day, you kind of little little techniques for breaking down the size of the task. There's nothing new. Yep. You read about it in every endurance book you've ever, ever read. Yep. But the channels, for example, are set into five different shipping lanes. Mm-hmm. So objective one, get to the end of the first shipping lane. Yep. Then you can do two, etc., etc. Um, you have like little little mantras in your head. I had um, 
mum's an English teacher she'd been feeding me poems since I was knee high and some of them were just going through my head and yeah, nice. we had, I had this list of, of friends names and the coach would shout out a name now and again and she'd be like swim okay with Ashley so I just got Ash in, in the water visualising him in the water next to me and we're swimming together and yeah cool thinking about all that so that's yeah, loads of little techniques like that yeah um, so in the last in our recording one we sort of talked a little bit about um, meditation all that sort of stuff mm. Do you think there's any sort of correlation between meditation and spending that time just running down a path somewhere in that, just in the breath, in the time? Absolutely. Absolutely. You you, can't, you find yourself just, well, your, your mind is nowhere else. There's nowhere else for it to be. You've just got to get on with what's in front of you. Yep. And you've got to overcome whatever pain you find yourself in. Mm. And that, yeah, there's just no other headspace, and it's is is brilliant. Yeah, you're, you're completely present. Yeah, and yeah, so I guess from that point of view, it's, it's meditative. Or the object of most meditation being to completely inhabit your space. Yeah, and really enjoy every moment, mm. or, or at least be present for every moment. So you're you're living a really full existence. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like you know when you, when you look back and you think. You're reflecting on these events they're big they're big moments in your life but maybe the reason they're big moments is because you were so present when you were doing them yeah you know I, and if 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 i can strive to be as present as that every day then maybe every day can be already yeah significant meaningful day yeah that's that's a good point yeah yeah, yeah. i think that's something yeah you're right something i learned from it it's mm. i guess that was my next sort of direction I wanted to go like what mm. is the biggest takeaways from doing these things like um, and I feel like you just sort of hit the nail on the head of just mm. sort of like just listen to your talk I think it's and listen to other people that sort of do adventure races and all that sort of stuff and mm. the big things like you get to that point where there's so much pain but you come through it and you get that high of coming through it that's yeah. almost addictive but then you also have this sense of you know that meditation state of just being mm. in that moment so yeah. present mm. with that pain yeah and i think that sort of makes you a lot stronger mm. mentally yeah and obviously physically yeah definitely um so what would be your biggest i guess looking back on all the things you've done mm. what's the biggest moment and what had the biggest impact on i guess the rest of your sort of outlook on life in terms of those those kind of sporting challenges yes yeah I I think I think sporting challenges the channel touching the touching sand in the channel at the other end of the channel in France yeah was bliss yeah (laughs) it was pure bliss yeah Uh, yeah and I think that that was the first time I knew that anything was possible. Yeah. Until until then, you recognise that it's probably true, and you know you kind of agree with the aphorism. But until I did that and I touched it, I was like, "Holy shit! This, anything is possible." Yeah, right. I used to swim like a Labrador, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just did that. Wow. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, I'd never been a very graceful swimmer. That was deter. I got that was determination that got me across the channel. And yeah, so that that I think that's the first time I really thought, oh yeah, okay, that's 
yeah. what, if you want something yeah organize your thinking uh, such that you can just allow yourself to go and get it done mm. uh, and yeah I guess we're all really limitless in what, what we're able to, to do yeah um, well okay let's take that you've got two boys now mm. what how will you take those lessons and sort of instill that in your boys into you know taking on challenges mm. that they might think they can't take on and I guess that's a good advice for anybody else like yeah. what advice would you have for somebody thinking well I can't do that or that's too hard or that's mm. going to be too painful what advice would you be giving them to actually pick themselves up and go and do it uh, well you can you definitely can uh, but something I really want to instill in my boys is a work, work ethic mm. uh, and whatever it is that you're, do, you're doing uh, you just try hard try really really hard and, and try hard every day mm. just to try and be the best version of yourself yeah uh, you've, all, I certainly fail on a regular basis at being the best version of myself but I think you need to be able to strive for that yeah. and you know whether you're like digging holes in the garden mm. or studying hard for exams mm. you've got to, you've got to push yeah and I think if you if you can do that uh, learn that habit then you, you can you can accomplish anything and doors will open yeah. as well yeah if you're willing to slog your guts out oh, well I, I my, my observations of other people that that I respect or I see like for first hand getting stuff done that they want to get done mm. is just hours at the coalface mm. and just a single minded determination to make it happen so I would I just say learn to work hard <laughs> yeah and I think you hit the nail on the head it's, it's a habit mm. it's just something that you've got to try and do every single day and just yeah. work for it every exactly. single day yeah it's nothing to do with talent no, no it's all I, about it's all about industry 100% I believe yeah. I, I 100% agree with that mm. yeah alright Let's turn in a different direction and what's coming up next? What are your, I guess, um, obviously things have changed for you now. Mm. Um, you're not single and you can't sort of jump, go traveling all, all over the world and take mm. a few, four weeks off and walk up some mountains. Um, so what would be your like future goals, whether we're talking 12 months or 10 years or 50 years? The... Uh just, just this last winter gone I've uh, attempted the ice mile mm-hmm. which is a, to swim a mile in water that's less than five degrees and uh, I qualified I, after a little bit of turmoil I've eventually got the kilometre done so you do it if you do a kilometre then you qualify to be allowed to attempt the full mile yeah okay um, but with ha- having the boys you know it's, I thought well, you're training to swim a mile mm. that's not much yeah that's a few that's a couple of 3k swims maybe 3 3k swims a week you can get that before the boys are up mm. you're not taking too much away from what they need uh, and then you just sit in the ice tub which you can do you know 10 minutes when they've gone to bed or whatever you can always squeeze it in yeah so I thought that's quite a tidy little challenge yeah uh, hopefully it won't have too many implications for for the family yeah um, that was before I tried it and they had to witness me shivering hard for a long time but anyway, so anyway, I got the kilometre done, and my next objective will be to try and get the mile. Nice. We went into lockdown, and the, the yeah. water warmed up, so I've not been able to, yeah. to attempt that yet. Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, and beyond that, I don't know, I'd like to keep 
strong. Yeah. Keep mobile. Yeah. Uh, and I think that um, the next 30, 40 years or whatever will be more focused around general yeah, general health and well-being and yeah. trying to stay strong so I can keep up with the boys. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Oh, very good. Um, all right, so let's just finish up with this topic. Mm. Um, I sort of mentioned it before. Um, like... I don't get to talk to too many people that have, you know, trained or spoken to such a variety of different people, you know, ER, GP, everywhere. Um, There's obviously different trends or ways or directions that health and wellness go into. Mm. Um, For example, I reckon in the last two years, um, gyms have, I feel like in the past, gyms have always been associated with you go there to get a goal done, yeah. whether it's, you know, you're training for a marathon or, yeah. you know, you're training to lift something heavy or, you know, you're training to make your body look good. Mm. But now gyms are almost seen as something you do for health and wellness. Mm. And I think that's a massive shift as well. Yeah. And now in the last couple of years, tech has come into it as well. And yeah. that's like why we do our business online because, yeah. you know, there's so much more opportunity to help different mm. people. and now tech is almost seen as a way to help you achieve health and wellness goals as well. Yeah. Um, so it'd be very interesting to see where you've seen, what you've seen over the past couple of years mm. or decade or so yeah. of changes and where you think, like, I guess as humans, where we're going mm. for health and wellness next. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I think certainly something I've noticed in GP in terms of the literature that I've, I've been exposed to even from my college I'm reading on a regular basis is more there's a lot more uh, um, awareness of the, yeah, this this topic wellness mm. which is in, incorporates food good nutrition mindfulness meditation and moving your body uh, and just sort of integrating everything yeah such that they're not these little little pockets uh, and they're not like optionals these these, these are things that should become non-negotiable mm. but I've been really encouraged to see the the scientific world embrace things like meditation which has a huge scientific base to support support its value yeah and up at the medical center now we're trying to sort of integrate meditation uh, and, and not necessarily as an intervention mm. but just as prophylaxis is it's obviously a great mental health tool but there's no one who wouldn't benefit from being able to completely manage their emotions which is you know the the, the ethos of of mental health you know uh, of um of meditation if you you know metabolic health alcoholism, smoking, you know, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, yeah, cardiovascular disease, etc., etc. Lots of these things are born of poor lifestyle choices. Mm. So you step that back, integrate meditation and, and think about all the, de- you know, the decisions that you're making and the implications. If you can bring yourself back, maybe you'll put down the cigarette, maybe you'll just have two beers instead of ten. Yeah. And you can solve a lot of a lot of problems so I think more awareness of that 
the, the prophylaxis across those different forums mm. rather than you know kind of reactive medicine okay your blood pressure's high here's a pill yeah I mean that, that stuff that stuff has the evidence to support it but yeah. I, I think certainly the way I've seen uh, general practice trying to go is more about this general awareness and integration of those really really basic concepts yeah but things that we don't do very well generally speaking yeah so that's what I that's what I I hope for mm. certainly but I've certainly seen evidence of that those philosophies being integrated as well so yeah definitely um, well even within the health and fitness industry like yeah I've been in it for uh, probably 12 14 years now mm. and just from what we learned then compared to now like yeah um, pretty much every client we have now we have a conversation about sleep mm. you go back 10 years and like who cared about sleep mm. no one even talked about it as a PT you'd never talk yeah. about sleep now it's the number one we talk thing we talk about with our clients because it's yeah. so important mm. um, and I just feel like the whole information age and like I said tech mm. like you can literally look start looking this stuff up by yourself although it's good and bad parts of that yeah but um, just the whole awareness of you know what's actually good for you yeah um, and how it's evolved yeah um, so what have you implemented I guess for yourself that you've learnt over the last couple of years like let's take James 15 years ago mm. what were you doing then like health and wellness wise mm. and what are you doing now 15 years ago I was drinking way too much 26 I'll be 26 yeah drinking way too much um aware of nutrition but probably cheating a lot because I was drinking yeah <laughs> drinking fairly freely yeah um but you know I, equally I was a, a student without quite as much uh, ability to be able to invest yeah. in different things like a, like an ice bath yeah. <laughs> which which is something I'm really dependent on now mm. I've been ice, ice bathing fairly religiously and I get an awful lot out of that yep. even just five minutes um, trying, yeah, trying to meditate breath work I really enjoy that a couple mm. of times a week so just these yeah, these sort of more holistic practices I think I'm trying to yeah trying to do on a more regular basis yeah and just thinking about what I'm eating a bit as well mm. yeah yeah um, I think that's probably the difference and I'm much more amenable to a, to a rest day <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah I, I agree it, yeah again the conversation like the just the conversational idea of just thinking a bit better about what you're putting into your body has got mm. a lot better as well mm. um like you go back 10, 15 years as yeah. a PT, it'd just be like, I'll oh, get your protein in. Where yeah. now it's like, well, where's that protein coming from? Yeah. That also matters a yeah. lot more. And it's good to sort of have those conversations. Yeah, And definitely. that it's actually a conversation yeah. to have. Um, how are we doing on time? Good? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess the other thing is as well, when, when you see, like in, in primary care, you see all this see people's health stories playing out all the time mm. so you sort of think I don't want that outcome I don't want that outcome how am I going to make sure that that's, this stuff doesn't happen to me Yeah. and you can't help but be influenced in it and just try to sort of ward off 
ills, you know. Yeah. You know, a joint replacement for someone who's got advanced arthritis and a lot of pain every day, great. Yep. Definitely. Fully advocate for that. Mm. I don't want one. No. <laughs> of course I don't. So, you know, m- mobility, stay strong, yeah. you know, keep a healthy body. You know, irrespective of what we've been discussing, maybe don't push your joints that hard <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm definitely influenced by yeah what I see it what I see it well. yeah that's fair enough and that's and that's something that I always try and say especially in all mm. these podcasts if anybody's been listening for a few now mm. you'll know that the best time into investing your health and wellness is yesterday yeah not when you need that knee replacement yeah like yeah get that knee replacement if you yeah. need it but what you do now is going to dictate Definitely. what happens to you in 10 yeah. 20 years yeah and yeah. I, I feel really fortunate about that on a daily basis I'm mm. so grateful because you get that you're constantly made aware of how transient things are. Yep. Uh, and so you kind of, and, and you also see some awful stories of, of people's demise and poor health. You're like, thank God, I'm so, I'm really grateful. Yep. But it kind of kicks you into shape every day. Like, yeah. Step away from the biscuit ball. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need it. Yeah. Not that that always happens. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a point for for the odd Tim Tam, but. So, what would be your message to? I guess just the general public um, mm. about health and wellness. Like, you know, you've you've noticed all these trends, all mm. these information's coming out now about you know a holistic view on mm. living a better life. What would be your message to the general public public out there on where to start or how to think or what they should be doing or? I generally speaking, in terms of. You know, something that we all do is eat and drink. Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of the 80-20 sort of principle. You're never going to go 100% like fast, like intermittent fasting or clean clean eating or whatever it is. So bear that in mind. Yeah. And give yourself a break. Yeah. If you're 80% of the time it's clean, great. 20% of the time it's pizza and a few beers, I think that's okay. Yeah. So I, I think be realistic about about those things and then I fully encourage people to, to just try and step into that that realm of um of meditation breath work yep whatever it is and just be still a little bit mm. in the day because mm. it, it gives you so much and I, I feel like as soon as you have that little bit of clarity at the start of your day or or wherever you might find your time you can start to pick out all the stuff that you you don't need to be thinking about and recalibrate the, those those thought processes that might be letting you down. Yep. And then and then you can have a better time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, what do you do to clear your mind in the morning to get you going? So, one thing I do is write in my diary. Like mm. I just write a few things out, a few messages yeah. to myself, how yeah. I want to be that day, and I literally write out everything I need to do. Yeah. Okay and um, just think about things and I I know it's a big difference when I don't do it and when I do it my day's just a lot clearer it happens a lot easier obviously because I've thought about what my day's going to be and how I want to be Um, so what do you do in the morning to sort of clear your mind and get you ready for the day yeah I'm definitely a big list person Mm. I I always have a list going I think that's that's probably the most consistent thing that I do yep the the consistency, uh, consistency of the morning, morning meditation has waned a little since since Hugo's come along, our six month old. But 
even on the drive to work, I like to just try and do like a a body scan. Yeah. Of you, that you know that that process where you kind of put your attention in different parts of yep. your body, or even have like a five minute sit at some stage of the day and just um, just remember that everything, um, all the negative energy maybe or negative thoughts I've had are of my doing. Mm. They're my thoughts. And it's just a chemical reaction. Yeah. So kind of get rid of that. Yeah. Doesn't mean nothing, it's not real. And then just kind of breathe it away and and go again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I and I kind of just try and do that in the morning if I've got if I've got the space. Yeah, nice. Um, always comes back to the breath. And you said something about consistency there and consistency really is the key of anything. Mm. Um, but what people realise, especially if you listen to this whole thing and you're like, oh, I can't do any of that, consistency can just be once a week. You don't have to beat yourself up and do it every single day religiously. Yeah. You can start with once a week. Yeah. Like you said, 80-20. Yeah. Just start, even if you start with the 20% and start working De- on definitely. that and then yeah. work up from there yeah. to the 80%. Um, all right, so one last thing you want to share with everybody. Any thoughts, queries, or pieces of wisdom that you want to finish up with? <laughs> feel like you've dropped a lot already I can't wait to listen back to this one already so uh, my I guess my, my mum said to me once best piece of advice I can give you is never say no to an opportunity mm. which might need to be modified in certain contexts but I think that's a pretty yeah that's a pretty it. good one that's real yeah. good Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming in. This is really good. Round two was even better than round one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. All you guys out there listening, I'm sure you got something out of this, so make sure you hit subscribe, follow, wherever you're listening to. Make sure you share it with your friends. Get them all in on this. Get them listening and getting something out of it as well. Um, Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll talk to you again in the next episode. Bye.